0: Welcome into NBA Sound System. Carlin Gay alongside Micah Adams and Gil McGregor. Probably one of the toughest podcasts we kind of have to do. Uh, We kind of decided as a group that we wanted to do this and share some of our stories and memories around Kobe Bryant. Uh, Most of you listening to this podcast already know uh, what happened. Tragedy struck on Sunday. Uh, with kobe and his daughter and seven others passing away uh, but we decided to make this more of a celebration uh, and, and talk about a lot of our memories and good feelings that we had around not just kobe but the game of basketball which is why we're all connected in some way shape or form so want to start with uh first memories guys what, what was something that, you, that stuck out to you really uh, kind of reminiscing on just kobe's career and 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 stuck out as one of your first times remembering you know maybe this guy could be one of the best or or whatever the case may be yeah
1: i um so I actually never saw Kobe play in person, and I think in some ways it kind of is representative of how I as a fan came to know kobe like i i uh when he was a rookie i was living in singapore right and uh you know we did not get nba games in singapore we didn't have cable uh when we moved back to the states either so my vision of kobe was through collecting basketball cards through reading slam magazine you know that that famous cover with him and ray allen and stefan marbury and jermaine O'Neill and steve nash uh, is is one of those images that, to me, is is probably the the first vivid memory I have of Kobe as an NBA player. Kobe as a larger than life, uh, you know, Lakers superstar. And uh, you know, Colin, I was just telling you on, on the walk down here, I I have this massive basketball card collection just sitting in my mom's attic uh, back at her house that I have not been through that in probably fifteen years. Yeah. That. Uh, is one of the, one of the things that the next time I'm home, I, I can't wait to, to crack that open and go and find all of those, you know, old, old Kobe cards that, that I know are, are struck through there. So that, those are kind of my first memories, I think of, of Kobe more. So just following him as a fan and as a kid with basketball cards and magazines more so than, you know, watching him in person, getting to meet him, any of that. So, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I find it interesting learning about the different ways we've all consumed Kobe within our NBA group or a big group there's there's we have editors all over the world Australia Japan India Spain Argentina, Mexico, and including here in the states and uh, a connection to Canada that you know we have we all have a different story I found it I found it interesting and this is still me learning about
1: the rest of the team that you hadn't seen him play live. Like, I never saw him play live I mean I see. It's, I've seen Michael Jordan play live, seen right. LeBron a bunch of times, all right. the Warriors guys, KG, uh, Dirk. Anyone I, that's important in the last thirty years, you I've probably, probably seen, seen live. live at some point, And Kobe's the one guy I n- just never saw live, which is crazy. Yeah. So my mm-hmm. my uh, my mom's side of her family is from L.A. All my cousins are huge Lakers fans. They right. live I don't know forty five minutes an hour outside of. Uh, out of Staples and like they go to Lakers games all the time. Like we used to visit for Christmas every year. We'd go to Southern right. California and I, not one time and all the trips that we were out there, <laughs> did we ever just like, Hey, let's go to a, a Lakers game, even though my, my cousins and, and, and my, in particular, um, but you know, even my grandpa, right, grandma, like my whole mom's side of my family, Diehard Lakers fan, big Kobe's fans. Not one time did did we ever go. Yeah, that's that's
0: crazy to me. That that's what I found interesting about uh, listening to different stories about everybody is just how, not just Kobe related, but how we all kind of fell in love with the game of basketball. I mean, with Kobe in the news, a lot of us were talking about Kobe memories, but you know, just the different different ways that we kind of connected to the game. Gil, you, uh, out of everyone on our team, and I said this this morning to you off air uh everyone on our team you've been with the nba longer than any one of us uh you've been with the nba your entire life given the fact that your father worked uh for an nba team you grew up around arenas you've probably been in you've probably spent more times in arenas than a bunch of us have even though we've covered the game for a long time so um What was your first memory with Kobe, given the fact that basketball was just natural to
2: you? Yeah, I think about my childhood and kind of growing up and basketball was pretty much synonymous with it. You know, um, with my dad's job covering uh, as a broadcaster with the Charlotte and New Orleans Hornets and every other place they played. Um, And with me, I gravitated towards the game just as a fan early on and being born in 1994. Kobe was drafted in 96 and he was 17 when it happened. So I feel like for a lot of people in my generation, he was kind of like that—that that face of the of the next generation of the NBA. Because in reality, he was a 17-year-old kid when he was drafted. So a lot of us saw saw a young guy who who was you know really ready to set the set the, the turn the league upside down from an from an early age. And we kind of latched on to that. Um, my, I remember seeing you know the Sprite commercials, you know, seeing him, him culturally the the Adidas sneakers, all, all these right. things with Kobe, um, just who he was as an icon. Before he had really even made his arrival as a player, which kind of happened pretty fast. But you think about his rookie year, he wasn't really like uh, within the Lakers' rotation like that. Um, as far as on the court, which, you know, seeing him play, I. I Hearing things like what you said, Micah, it made me realize how fortunate I was to be able to say I've probably seen him play, you know, over a dozen times live, right. you know, you know, in my lifetime. And one of the first games I really remember, I was seven. Uh, it was a Friday night. The Lakers were in Charlotte. Um, and before anything else, I was a Hornets fan. You know, I, I was a fan of Kobe. I was a fan of Iverson, all these guys, but I was a Hornets fan before anything else. and. We're going down, the game is coming down to the wire, the Hornets tie things up, here we are playing the back-to-back champs, I'm thinking oh my team's got a shot, here we go, (laughs) they run a play for Kobe, he's coming down, takes a handoff. he he dribbles, George Lynch is guarding him, hits George Lynch with a pump fake, that's probably a mistake
1: right away. Right. Isn't it? You know,
2: you think they think they think you think they're <laughs> going. You think they that's going to be the guy to, to slow him down.
1: That nah, was over before he started. He's,
2: he's, he's fading away as time expires, and I remember he stumbled as he as he fell back. The shot went in. And he slides on the floor, and it was business as usual for the Lakers. They're the back back to back champs. They're going there, you know, on pursuit of their third championship, and it was a, a, a crazy environment in Charlotte Coliseum, and then. You know, it's just silence. And every, and and then obviously the, the big group of Lakers fans that go to any away game just start roaring and cheering. And from that moment at an early age, I was seven years old, I realized whenever this guy has the ball in his hands and there's opportunity to win the game, he's, he's going to go win it. Uh, uh, there's very few players like, you know, I see kind of with Steph Curry every time he takes a three, I think it's going in. Anytime Kobe ever took a clutch shot, there was no doubt in my mind that it had a chance to go in, it was going to go in. And I can think of countless shots I've seen him make, you know, live on TV, in person, whatever the case may be. But I, I remember that game as like my first introduction to who he was. Because I think about it, he's only 23 at the time. He was 23 mm-hmm. years old. You know, he had been in the league for some time at that point, but, you know, he was a, a person to fear down the stretch for the next 15 <laughs> years, which is amazing to think about.
1: Yeah. I think that the age part of that is one of the things that's wild to me. So you you just you start going back and you you remembering you know favorite games, moments, times, and like you know we we've been talking about you know our our favorite Kobe moments and games, and we'll get to those here in a little bit. But that game four in Indiana mm-hmm. in two thousand in the finals. i I mean, obviously, he was young. It didn't really hit me until like yesterday, Mm -hmm. or the day before. He was only 21 when that happened. 21. People think of like, you know, when you know Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden, you know, lost in the finals to LeBron, and how you know they were so young, they just weren't ready for the moment. Kobe was always ready for the moment. Yeah. Like he wasn't even a starter yet, and he's being voted in. He wasn't a starter on his own team uh, when he started his first All Star game. And like his ability, his swag matched his popularity. Um, you know, no moment was too big for that guy. Yeah, uh, and then that's
0: it's perfect. You brought my first memories of of Kobe was really the after his rookie year. Uh, it, and I mean, he didn't play at all in his rookie season. And I knew he was a part of the draft class and everything. And I knew that he was supposed to be, uh, you know, a great player to watch going forward. And this is when Michael's in his prime. And growing up in Canada, we got very few NBA games. The Raptors just started the season before, uh, you know, so it wasn't like, and, and even then, you couldn't watch all 82 Raptor games at the time. Like, we got a select few that were nationally televised, and that was only against bigger teams, like if the, the Bulls came to town or, uh, you know, the, the Lakers or, or anything, or obviously the Grizzlies uh, at the time as well, because they were, they were, you know, in Canada at that point. Uh, it was so the season after his rookie year. That's really where I started following basketball. We got the Raptors in in the country, and everything changed. And I remember watching the highlight shows the next morning of the preseason. Kobe dunking on Ben Wallace in a preseason game, and I think everything sticks out to me because of how weird it was to see someone cross somebody over like that, slam on the on on Ben Wallace. Who I mean, he wasn't Ben Wallace that we know now is the future hall of famer. He was just a regular old Ben Wallace. So he wasn't known at the time, but the dunk was vicious and it was just a weird scenario. It was a preseason game. The swagger that he had, it wasn't in, it wasn't in anyone's arena. It was actually at UNLV. So that looks weird. Even when you go back on YouTube to look at that video, it just looks weird when they're doing it on a college court and, uh, that really stuck out to me. That's the first time I remember saying to myself, wow, who's this guy? I need to know a little bit more about him. Uh, and it took probably a year and a bit before uh, I really started to to, to to follow Kobe and the Lakers. And that was because this, the, season, the NBA season after his first season, I mean, he made the all-star team, as you mentioned, uh, the NBA went into a lockout in 99. And that would have been the year where I would have said to myself, I'm a basketball fan. I'm going with basketball all the way. I would have been... A sports fan before but as basketball is my primary option taking over hockey i had to wait so long to see the lakers and kobe and everybody to come back uh that two ninety 2000 season when they went on that run and started to go on that three-peat and, and change the game there's some people that were shack fans i was a kobe guy and, and it was kobe side from then on uh and I still am to this day so that that probably was the first real things that I remember is that that dunk on Ben Wallace. I didn't know he was Ben Wallace at the time. I just thought it was just some guy. But even
1: that, like Ben but Ben Wallace at that time, like Ben Wallace wasn't Ben Wallace no, he yet wasn't. too. He so wasn't. like, like wasn't even close. from multiple levels, like you're watching something that in the moment, it's just it's impossible to understand the the significance and the, right. the degree to which that how impressive that is, Right. right. Yeah. It's it was Looking back on it, it's pretty special. And I, just, I watched it
0: probably three or four times before we came down here. <laughs> Stuck out to me. You know, Chick Hearn's voice, like, slam dunk. Chick Hearn is the legendary broadcaster. Yeah. You guys know I call games for FIBA. So, like, I'm I, Chick Hearn's, to me, before Mike Brain, before uh, Marv Albert, he's, like, the guy. Like, a lot of the phrases that we – like, I went back and looked at Chick Hearn's life. And a lot of phrases that we use in everyday basketball today mm. came from Chick Hearn. Mm. Triple-double. Slam dunk. Uh, there's so many, there's so many just different, like airball, so many different phrases yeah. that we just use in the day to day NBA came from Chick Hearn and like, just to have his iconic voice on that play and for him to call a lot of the games that, you know, the lake in the early in his career, it was crazy. So, uh, that's, what's one of the things that really stuck out to me going back and watching that, uh, that play. Um, but favorite memories, what, what do you guys, what do you guys have for, for favorite memories of, of Kobe?
2: You know, something I always I kind of tell people is like when I listen to music, it's like a like a time machine. It, it brings you back to like, you know, how you felt in that moment, what was going on in your life in that moment, whatever the case may be. Um, and when ESPN decided to re-air Kobe's 60 point game, mm. that brought me back to kind of where I was in that moment. I was uh, in my senior year of college um, in my suite. Uh, my sweetmates had had two TVs uh, in their in their room. Uh, we we all got in the room together uh, to watch that, and, and the Warriors pursuit for seventy three wins was, was going on that same that same time, and we became just so enthralled with what was going on with Kobe. We put both TVs that were right next to each other on that Lakers game. Right, and going back and watching it the other day reminded me just how improbable it seemed that they would even win the game. Like looking at like, you know, he came out of the gates like looking a little rusty. It had been a season full of ups and downs for him. Didn't really know what he had in the tank. I remember going into it hoping that he, you know, had, you know, maybe give us 20 or 30 one more time. And then you go back and watch and look like, okay, he ends up with 15 in the first quarter. He's on pace for 60, but of course he's gonna slow down. And then, you know, whatever, going into the fourth quarter uh, with 37 points and and scoring 23 in the fourth and, and then being down by 10 so late in the fourth quarter. I just remember if it was any other game, I would, I would turn it off. But two things came to my mind. The first one was that I, I've been following Kobe his entire career and we had gone through the ups and downs as a fan and I owed him three more minutes because <laughs> this, is the la- this is the last three yeah. minutes we'd ever get to watch him play. Right. That was the first thing. Another thing that came to my mind was I remember the game he scored 81 I remember, ha- I had league pass at the time, I remember going and seeing, I was like, why are the Lakers down that much to the, to the Raptors? I'm turning this off, I don't wanna see this. Right. Went to bed and woke up the next morning, heard he had 81. So that was another lesson to never count him out. And to watch the last few minutes of that game unfold the way they did, it was like a movie. It Like like when he hit that, that shot to put the Lakers up before he ended up making the free throws for 59 and 60, it, it was literally like watching a Hollywood script unfold like if you had written that and and put it in a movie, I'd be like, nothing ends as perfectly. No way, you right. know. I, I, it'd be unbelievable. But going back to watch it, that's one of the things that will forever stick with me. And, and really was the the perfect ending to a career that he had. It it, it perfectly illustrated his, his never quit mentality and, and all of that. So that that's definitely a top memory for me.
1: That's I that's I, I also had that game as my favorite. Co- I I mean I remember exactly where I was sitting in, in the back of the research room at, at ESPN where I used to work and live production. I'm sitting next to one of my colleagues who actually before the game, shout out my guy, Mark Simon said, Kobe's going to score 60 tonight. <laughs> like you're out of your mind. You know, you can't call like, come on you're, That's an outrageous thing to claim. And, and then it happened. And I mean, I remember exactly where I was sitting. The, the thing that strikes me, aside from the game itself, which unfolded exactly like you said, like complete movies here, you, you could not come up with a better script in Hollywood if you, if you tried, mm. right, for the way, the way it happened. One of the lasting things that I'll always remember is I remember thinking, man, Stuart Scott would have loved mm. that. So I worked at ESPN mm. as a researcher, and I worked with Stewart a lot on Sports Center, on Monday Night Football, and in the NBA Finals. Um, and he died about a year and a half. He died in, in January of 2015, mm-hmm. so a little over a year before uh, that final game. But I one of the lasting memories that I remember having with Stu is he that guy loved Kobe mm-hmm. more than anyone that I know loved Kobe. He was a Kobe guy, and one of Stu's patented things on so. Whenever they, they were reading highlights for SportsCenter, we would always give them cards and like little recaps with nuggets to throw in over highlights or score panels to add some context and add a little bit of flavor. Anytime anybody random would ever score 30 points in an NBA game, like any pick your random, like Deion Waiters scores right. mm. 30, Stuart would always ask, How many career 30 point games for that guy? And then how many did Kobe have? Like, all, every time. Uh, and and he would always say, oh, that's so-and-so's, you know, fifth career 30-point game, only 400 more to go to catch Kobe. <laughs> and they, and it got to the point where any time there was a game that somebody random scored 30, you wouldn't even wait for Stu to ask. You would just write X number for 30, Kobe had this many, and he would use it every single time time and uh you know his his highlight call of of kobe's 81 point game which happened on championship sunday Mm -hmm. uh or uh, on nfl championship Mm -hmm. sunday right and and overshadowed those uh is one of my lasting memories. but that's that's sort of like the 60 game the 60 point game brought to me back memories of working with someone who loved kobe more than anyone that i know uh uh, sort of loved him and appreciated him
0: yeah Stu Stu was uh, another one of my my heroes one guy that uh, definitely inspired me to once I realized I wasn't making the NBA <laughs> <definitely inspired laughs> don't me give up on the dream path. man yeah the dream's over Jeez, I played I play pick up the other uh, like six months ago Twisted my ankle, I have been back on the course since. <laughs> That's not Mamba mentality. Uh, one of my favorite, my favorite memory I wrote about it for NBA.com, uh, is, is not even just a, it's just a meaningless game in terms of just regular season. Uh, it was the opportunity to see the Lakers, which I always try to make a point to go out and see when they came up to Toronto. Uh, against the Raptors. And, um, you know, it was the year I believe it was the year before they ended up getting Nash and Dwight Howard and everyone thought they were going to go on this super magnificent run to get back in the title contention that never truly happened. But, uh, you know, it was prime Kobe, uh, it, you know, probably the tail end of prime Kobe. Going up against a terrible Raptor team, <laughs> Aaron Gray was on the floor. I, I, I can't I, like I remember that so well that Aaron Gray was on the floor. I love that Aaron shout Gray Aaron is Gray.
1: like the the other name that jumps yeah, out yeah. here. Aaron Gray, shout and, out Aaron Gray. Yeah,
0: Pitt pit native or Pitt uh, legend, right? He was a Pitt, right? He did go to Pitt. He did go to Pitt. Pitt legend, uh, but you know, Kobe's on the floor and the Raptors somehow, some way were up, uh, and it was about two minutes left in the game. They were up by four at the time, and all of a sudden the mama switch went on and it was it was the lead was evaporated in like two possessions. Comes up, knocks down a three that you had no doubt was going in, steals the ball on the other end, finds our tests on, on an open layup, and somehow the Raptors got in front again, and then it was Kobe time. There's like 17 seconds left. You knew the ball was going in on the inbound to Kobe. Everyone knew it. Still was able to get the ball. Find a way to shake off the defender, the fadeaway right in front of the Raptors bench, nails it, looks at the bench, and then just walks back calmly as everybody in purple and gold on the floor in the crowd was celebrating. Kobe was just like, yeah, well, like I, I do this. Like, you well, saw, I was losing Carl. my mind. That, that was the loudest gym I've been in. Till that point, like I've since then heard, uh, been able to, to be there for, for the Raptors. Game five when Kawhi had that wicked stretch that I thought the roof was going to come off. Uh, was able to be there for the 100th Grey Cup, which if you're not Canadian, you won't understand. That's like the Super Bowl uh, a for, deep for cut. Canada. We didn't think we'd be talking yeah, uh, CFL football. CFL football on the but Kobe the 100th pod, 100th huh? edition of the Grey Cup, the Toronto Argos were, were hosting it. And they were in it, and it was in the Sky Dome, and there was—I mean, it was just Toronto centric. And there's eighty thousand people in a closed dome; it's, it's gonna get loud. So that uh trumps it, and also a wrestling event. I mean, wrestling fans are just nuts. So that those, those <laughs> trump it. But it, I mean, just seeing him knock that shot down and not even blinking in the moment, and and you knew that he was gonna get the ball, and you had no doubt that he was gonna hit it. Uh, There's—I mean, nothing. I don't think anything. Close in sports comes to and no matter the sport either, comes to when you're at a game, and this could be Kobe, this could be LeBron, or any great player, Tom Brady, because I've seen that happen to my Buffalo Bills a couple of times. When you know that greatness is on the field or court, and you know that they're just gonna deliver in clutch in a clutch moment, and it happens, nothing nothing can ever duplicate that. Watching that live, it's
1: it's incredible to see. And and the one the one thing that separates Kobe even in that regard too is like just the 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 fact that you can see the close up reactions on their face and like to yeah. this day like the thought of like Kobe sticking his jaw out and yeah. with the casual fist pumps and just like that just that glare of like I own you Nuts. I own this mm-hmm. is something that like you don't get in any other sport and in, within basketball like I don't know Michael Jordan's probably the only other guy that you even think of and even that just because there weren't these. There weren't replays like mm-hmm. the types of replays and angles and shots during Jordan's right. career are not the same as they were through Kobe. So, like the legend of Kobe hitting daggers and just looking like he just owns everything yeah. in that moment yeah. is so unique to just very, Kobe.
0: Very, very. And just to finish it off, like the, the, the reason why that one stuck out to me the most is because I had been, my little brother's eight years younger than me, so I had been preaching Kobe's greatness his entire life up until that point. He's never seen a live game. I finally take him to one game. That was a Christmas gift to him. The game happened two months later, so it was a long buildup to see it. And for him to witness that for his first NBA game, he he's been a Kobe fan ever since, mm. uh, and that and he's been a basketball fan more importantly ever since that moment. It just you know I was able to pass that on to him, pass the torch, and and uh, you know it was it's when I when I thought about that moment, I wrote that that letter to Kobe, so to speak. Uh, I thought about you know Michael, you're the only parent here at this table, but I thought about the moments I will have with my future kids and kind of teaching them the game of basketball. And uh and and having that connection with them going forward for whoever the Kobe Bryant or LeBron James will be at that time in their lives. So I'm I'm, I'm excited about that and sharing that sort of connection uh yeah, it's with fun. My, my future job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. And it doesn't have to be basketball either. It could be music, could be anything, but I'm I'm hoping that I'm able to uh to, to be able to do that. Uh we work in uh you know, we have a unique position here because we we have the ability to kind of Uh, Impact seven different countries around the world with what we do. We don't only cover the NBA for one country, being Canada, but we have, you know, Australia. We have uh, the ability to talk to fans in Japan, uh, in Spanish language sites like uh, Argentina, Mexico, Spain, and of course, in one of you know the biggest populations in the world in India. Um, So, since then, have you kind of thought and been surprised by the reception from the different? countries around the world of how this has impacted them on a global sense. One of states. Yeah.
1: I I don't know if, I think surprised isn't necessarily the right word. I think it's more of just a, the scale with which his life is celebrated everywhere. So like, for example, in in India, right, shouts to, uh, the Instagram follow Echolavius, mm. they had tributes and candlelight vigils all over india and there's just like these images and videos of of and all and like in like two dozen that I could count different cities of people coming in and holding services remembering kobe and like he never went. To, like he wasn't like
0: yeah he wasn't omnipresent there
1: right like he's this isn't like a guy that was super famous in India because he had a deep connection with India right you know, like not like Italy or China China or whatever right and so like you you see something like that and it just speaks volumes as to just his ability to connect with everyone everywhere and I don't I don't know and this includes like the guys that are, you know, the the Dirks And and maybe Yao Ming is the only other guy that can compare to Kobe in terms of just breadth of of worldwide impact. And even that, I don't know if- I don't even think so. Is like Kobe. And it's crazy to think. So, you know, we we lose Kobe here shortly after losing David Stern, who Mm -hmm. nobody had a a greater impact on growing the game internationally uh, than Stern. And Kobe is the guy that, uh, you know, really- really took advantage of that mm-hmm. and i i it's it's wild to think that you know three of the biggest names that you think of when you hear Kobe Bryant like three of the his biggest contemporaries are Dirk Nowitzki and Manu Ginobili and Pau Gasol right he has connections with those three guys from three different countries on you know in and two different continents and the the fact that Kobe has this impact that he does Man, it's it's crazy. Our guy Carlos, editor down in Mexico,
0: NBA.com dot com Mexico. He he said that you know if it wasn't for Kobe, he probably we probably wouldn't be working with with him right now because he wasn't. He he kind of got sucked into basketball through Kobe. Uh, and when you mentioned David Stern, that's a perfect example of that. And if it wasn't for Stern to start it off and kickstart it and build the stage for Kobe to really perform on globally, we're not in a situation where we have a Carlos maybe I don't become a fan. Maybe I just stay in love with the NHL as much as I was when I was a child. And maybe we're not all sitting here, three of us together, being able to work on an NBA global project if it wasn't for guys like David Stern, Kobe Bryant, uh, and obviously Michael Jordan, who took the game and it kind of exploded it on another stage outside of North America.
2: Yeah, 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 it's it's kind of ties back into what I was saying kind of about his final game and how it all kind of was like a perfect storybook you know like he goes to arguably and probably not arguably the the biggest franchise and in the biggest market and he has this this personality that just kind of draws you in and, and who he is on and off the floor that that aura that that persona he has about himself that just draws people in and whether it, it, it's something it's something that I'm, that I'm writing now whether it's just just watching him play or or if it's the mamba face if it's this the way that the mamba mentality it, it connected people to him. We felt connected with him. Whether, again, whether it was a country that had no reason to have a connection to him at all, or, or you know, I, I saw um, the, the large mural they, they created for he and his daughter in the Philippines. You know, and I know that, you know, as a Nike athlete, he, he they had tours where they would go to the Philippines and China. Also, but, the
0: Philippines, I mean, <laughs> It's, this is a hard argument, but if you asked anyone from the Philippines, they probably say that they're the, the have the biggest basketball fandom in in the entire world. I mean, absolutely, they, they, they love basketball. Craze, love absolutely,
2: basketball absolutely. It's, it's crazy. Again, full circle that one of the rooms, one of suite mates I uh, was watching that final game with, is now playing professionally in the Philippines. So mm-hmm. I, I've got great, gained a greater perspective of their appreciation of the game of basketball through him who's who's a, a great friend of mine um so just to see his his reach and, and how this just impacted every single person that can say that they have any connection to the game of basketball and then outside of that you know he transcended not just the he's transcended the sport of basketball but he transcended sport mm-hmm. you know the the the, the, the principles the mama mentality to that 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 attitude to to never get set back. You know, um, the guy that that got up from tearing his Achilles to to stand up and make both of his free throws and walk off the court in his own power, you know, you can apply that to your own walk of life, whatever that walk of life is, you know, whether it's as a writer, as a content producer, as an accountant, as an engineer, I think that I don't think there has ever been an athlete or or there aren't, aren't very many athletes, at least in this generation, that have had that type of or that type of persona that you just somehow can connect and apply it to your own life and and that applies again as that broad range
1: around the globe. was it Richard Sherman the other day who was saying when he tore his Achilles yeah. and walked yeah. out the field he yeah. did it because it's Kobe did yeah. it? Yeah. Which is I and I think you know his ability to Richard, sorry to cut you off. Richard Sherman, by the way, for those who don't know, who
0: plays in the NFL, completely different sport, plays a position that really doesn't have much to do with anything that really made Kobe super famous. In terms of Kobe, was one of the most greatest offensive talents we've ever seen. Richard Sherman plays defense,
1: and only defense doesn't score. So,
0: for him to say that is is a big deal.
1: Yeah, and I and Kobe, you know, in that. That impact it transports it it, it uh, transcends sports it transcends countries as as we've talked about I know uh, you know he's a big fan of of both Barcelona and AC Milan mm-hmm. he went to the World Cup in in 2014 I just I just rewatched a a old grainy conversation that he had with Ronaldinho mm. uh, when Messi was 17 years old and Ronaldinho was telling Kobe like hey. I got to tell you about this kid, Leo Messi. He's going to be wow. the best player in the world. And Kobe's like, what are you talking about? You're the best player in the world. And Ronaldinho's <laughs> like, no, no, trust me. <laughs> this dude is, is real. And then, you know, you, you flash forward later, and Kobe and Lionel Messi are, are in the same, like, Turkish Airlines commercial yeah. in Europe. It's just it's so wild to me. And all the different avenues with which Kobe was able to connect across different sports, across different... Uh, countries across different languages. I mean, he's given. You know, he obviously speaks Italian, mm-hmm. having you know spent his youth in Italy. But yeah. he's given like all-star interviews and fluent Spanish to <laughs> yeah, Mexican yeah. journalists, and spoke I, five I, different languages, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I don't. I look there. We mm-hmm. could have an argument about whether you know th- there are players that are are on the floor. Ha- were better than Kobe sure there might have been others that were as I don't know like is Michael Jordan more popular than Kobe sure I don't know if internationally there's ever been a an athlete forget basketball player like Mm. I don't know if there's an athlete that's more globally popular and had more and just resonates across more different Sort of walks of life uh, than Kobe Bryant. Yeah,
0: you'd have if if there is, it's a very very short list. Though. the one thing that I mean, you I, I echo what you guys said about the global impact. I heard a story. Mike Breen actually st- talked about it on a radio uh, show in New York that I uh, happened to listen to. Uh, he was on, and I've I've been very selective at the of the Kobe coverage that I've been consuming because I just I'm just not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. Like I I haven't watched much basketball. Uh, I haven't read many Kobe pieces, but I, I listened to this Mike Breen interview, and he was talking about um, he was he was calling the Olympics in China, um, and he jumped into a cab, uh, and he was going somewhere. And in very broken English, before they moved anywhere, uh, the, the the cab driver had noticed the logo on his shirt, uh, and it was an NBA logo. And the cab driver, super in super broken English, said, "Do you like pointed to the logo? Do you work for NBA?" So Mike deciphered that and said yeah i do i'm here for the olympics covering team usa calling whatever and then the next question was do you know kobe bryant and mike breen said yeah i know kobe bryant like uh he's on team usa i've called some of his games the cab driver who's mike said was probably in his 30s mid 30s 35 years old broke down and started crying just because Mike Breen knew Kobe Bryant, or he was driving a vehicle with someone who knew Kobe Bryant. It wasn't even Kobe in his car. It was just someone who knew Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So that just showed me like, that the different levels of appreciation for, uh, I guess we can call it greatness. Like yeah. it, 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 at the end of the day, it really did transcend just basketball and, and sport and, and how many different people and walks of life really appreciated what Kobe did. On the basketball floor and and i'm and i'm starting to learn now that a lot more people appreciated what he was doing off the floor as well in terms of mentoring and uh how he was with his family and 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 kind of uh you know the whole mamba mentality sharing that with others is uh is is really cool to see um we have the all-star game coming up here and actually the all-star uh roster uh reserves are going to be announced uh tomorrow we're recording this on wednesday by the time you listen to this, they could already be announced. We could already know who's going to be in the All-Star game. Um, but this is all Kobe all the time for this episode of NBA Sound System. And with All-Star coming up, uh, I, I guess it's appropriate to kind of talk about some of our All-Star memories of Kobe Bryant seeing as he won the All-Star MVP four times. Uh, he, he, he really tied, kind of— Tied for the most ever, by the way. Tied for the yeah. most ever. Really kind of turned into Mr. All-Star. He 18-time All-Star uh as you said and he probably would have been 19 time all-star if if they played uh in in 99 and and they didn't miss the all-star game with due to the lockout um what what sticks out when you think about Kobe Bryant in the all-star game
2: I think the biggest thing with with him is is that that competitive nature that we talk about that sets him apart it was, it was, you know, we all talk about the All Star game and kind of guys like, oh, you know, kind of mess around for for the first three quarters, or whatever, and then like they they turn they turn that competitive edge on. I think it was, if not for the entire forty eight minutes, it it, it, it the, the the switch flipped a little bit earlier for Kobe. I think back um, to his final uh, MVP when he when he won the two thousand eleven All Star game, which was in L A. Uh, it was kind of like you know this is this is my house this is what this is what I do and I, the coming the off back to back titles come too. Off back coming off back to back titles yeah. the Heat had just formed uh, with the big three in, in Miami um, and, and it was in LA and I think he, he made a statement you know he was like you know he had that that dunk when LeBron tried to get the chase down I think that was the same year. Um, and he ended up with thirty-seven points to kind of just make that statement. And it's like you know, I, I I do this competitive thing. It doesn't. It, I don't take a day off, you know, because just because it's the, the All Star game. That, that it's not a, it's not an exhibition to me. It's another opportunity for me to assert my dominance to to be Kobe. And I think that that is another example of just his essence of who he was and how he approached every single thing it was no halfway doing it there was no you know if I if I can be the best at doing this I'm going to be the best at doing it no 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 excuses the
1: the fact that the fact that he's the all-time steals leader in the all-star game I think is funny to me because that's just uh he's out there he's the only one trying on defense all the time and and you know that that one in 2011 certainly I also think of you know the uh, the co M V P with Shaq. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, in, in two thousand two in, in Philly, the year after beating the Sixers and then in in the first one in ninety eight when he's waving off Carl Malone, <laughs> trying to take trying to take uh MJ one on one. I don't know if there's another player that like I can't think of specific all star moments with players like I can with Kobe. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I feel like Kobe Bryant more so than anyone else, it's just synonymous with All-Star Weekend. Like, that guy was a star of stars. Like, forget debating whether or not, like, he was better than LeBron or how many MVPs he should have won. Like, forget all that aside. Like, the the guy was just a magnet for star power. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that—and I, I actually didn't know this. Uh, you know, one of the things— that we do leading up to all-star and, and knowing that everybody's going to be talking about Kobe. So we're, we're trying to uncover, right? Like different ways that we can talk about the all-star game and Kobe Bryant. And I, and I found myself rewatching the 1997 rookie game. Right. uh, This morning. And you know, that that's that it's not the rookie sophomore game yet. It's not, you know, international versus team. It It's just East versus West. And, you know, that, that's a part of that storied 96 draft class with Ray Allen and Steve Nash and Allen Iverson. And and Kobe uh, is by far the best player on the floor in that game. You know scores 31 points. The very first bucket of the game <laughs> is uh, Derek Fisher, who he'd go on to play almost his entire career with, uh, starts and passes next to Kobe, who just buries an 18-footer on the baseline. But then when you start realizing that, like, That weekend is also when he won the Slam Dunk Contest. Mm. But it's also the weekend where the NBA uh, recognized the 50 greatest players of all time. Yes. And of the 49 living uh, members of that group of 50, 47 of them were there in attendance. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been a greater collection of star power in one place at one time. There will never be a time.
0: Where the NBA's greatest players all came together because it's just impossible now to have them. Like yeah. so many of them are no longer with us. So many of them just 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 aren't around. So that was such a unique opportunity, and that's a a big part of I guess my basketball memories is just that laundry list of players standing at center court getting the uh, the nod that they yeah. were part and, of the greatest. You know,
1: and you're watching that that rookie game. It's on YouTube. It's it's an amazing thing to go watch. Um, you know, Hopefully like, they don't take it down now, right <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Come on, NBA. Like Red Auerbach is coaching in the game for the East, and and he you know was was a coaching in the very first season of the NBA. So Kobe's playing in a game against a coach that dates back to the 1946-47 season. Unbelievable. They're showing like Wilt Wilt Chamberlain is sitting courtside, getting interviewed. Uh, And one of the the really crazy twists, uh, the game was called by Hubie Brown, who, of course, then also called Kobe's final game when he scores 60 against the Jets. It's like that that game of an 18-year-old Kobe dominating in that game and then winning the slam dunk contest. So he showed out not once but twice in the one all-star weekend that was the most— the one with the most star power of any all-star weekend ever is like the most Kobe Bryant thing yeah. that I never realized happened, but happened. Um, it's just, it's wild.
2: And the crazy thing about that, I had to, I had to look it up to make sure, because I, I remember when I was younger, they used to play the rookie game in the afternoon. And then the slam dunk contest was the same day. Right. So he went and had thirty one that afternoon. Right. Came back later on, a few hours later, and yeah. put and then won the dunk contest, went between the legs, and all that stuff. To think that he did that all on the same day, day yeah. is like even even more on top of that. Just adds again as to the 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 legend of, of of who he was, and he was eighteen years old yeah, when he and, did that too.
1: You know, you know. So I so I mentioned that the, the forty seven of the fifty were there. Pete mm-hmm. Maravich had already passed away. Mm-hmm. The only other two that weren't there, and it was just because they Shaq was recovering from an injury, mm-hmm. so was not there that weekend, and Jerry West, who got an eye infection and could not fly, and those are the two guys it was right in an this ear. oh ear. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, uh but those are the two guys now that right that you're just they're just forever attached yeah. to kobe it's just it's it's eerie yeah it's yeah. really, really yeah. eerie to think of just all the ways that. These things all kind of just connect together. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah.
0: Nothing nothing more to be said on, on that. But it is uh, while it's still up there on YouTube. <laughs> go, go go and check and it, it out. While you can catch it while uh, you can. the The memory All Star memory that sticks out to me, and you guys meant, touched on it a little bit, is the All Star MVP. His first one in uh, two thousand two in Philly. The year before, he had beaten Iverson and the Sixers in the finals, uh, five games. When I say he, the Lakers and him, had beaten the uh, Sixers in the finals. Hometown team, prior to that series, he said something along the lines of, I want to rip Philly's heart out. And the Sixer fans kind of took that to heart and never really got over that uh, until late, much later on in his career, but they definitely were going to be over that six months later when he <laughs> shows up playing for the All Star team against you know their conference and uh, you know their guy at the time Allen Iverson and uh, you know every time he touched a rock he was booed like it, it wasn't and it, and it got louder as you know in Philly it gets extra it just started happening and every time he touched a rock he got booed. And it it almost was like he enjoyed it. I think at the
1: beginning, it probably, I don't think there's any almost about it. He
0: yeah, definitely. Enjoyed the it. At, the, at the start, I think it it hurt him a little bit because that was his hometown. Yeah, that's And fair. and it was an all star game. It's like, come on, like I, I'm I'm I should be loved here. He was booed from the time they introduced him, but by the time the game started going, he, he kind of flipped the switch and put the competitor mode on. And it looked at parts of that game. It was like he was the only one that was taking it seriously, that really wanted to win. Ends up uh you know with 31 points to game high all-star game MVP he's getting his trophy as they're booing him like his his, his speech and, and this, the this the presentation at the end of the All-Star games getting drowned out by booze. Um so he accepts his trophy with booze. Then later I remember the coverage or the talk being about how how much he shot the ball in the game as as it is with a lot of Kobe games. is like a, you talk took too many shots tonight, whatever the case may be. Uh, 25 shots he took in that game. The next three games after that, with this is back to regular season. All star breaks over. Next three games after that, 15 assists, 10 assists, 10 assists. Wow! Just to go out and
1: prove, <laughs> <laughs> that shut everyone that up, he huh? He can
0: do that too. That's that's what I remember most about uh, about Mr. Kobe being Bryant. Um, that's cool.
1: I, I didn't I didn't know about the uh, that little assist. Those yeah. little wrinkles to me. Are, are just like what stands out just yeah. repetitively. And yeah. and hearing, you know, listening to podcasts, reading stories, and all these little one extra detail or one little quirk that yeah. just makes it that much more interesting. Kind well, of well, that's kind of what makes, put him in the class
0: of being an all-time great. You always get those sort of wrinkles with the all-time greats of any sport, really, using any sort of way to get motivation to to get the upper hand. Uh, on, on their opponent and you know Wilt had a ton of those Bill Russell had a ton of those uh, Michael obviously had a ton of those and and, and I can't wait I can't wait to the, for the uh, 30 for 30 in the summertime I mean that's musty TV that's going to be great mm-hmm. uh, but Kobe was a part of that and, and I think when LeBron eventually retires we're going to hear a lot about uh, different ways that he used motivation uh, because he doesn't say much right now but when he retires, it's a different story. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be hopefully an open book, and we'll learn a lot more about uh, his career and going through it. And I, that's some one of the things I do enjoy most about being able to cover the the league and cover sports in general is is kind of you know being able to live through the moment is cool, but actually going back and reliving a lot of these moments and finding out the details that we may not have known uh, through the grapevine or whatever the case may be is that's that's really cool cuz you hear so many different people tell us different stories and it just adds onto the story that you already have created in your head and I want to open the floor to you Gil right now because I know you have a Kobe story that you are writing about it's going to end up on nba.com uh eventually com for you at home to read uh but he, he, here's the man who who wrote the story who lived it the floor is yours Gil
2: yeah it's, it's something that um it's just crazy as, as the news kind of was processing uh, on Sunday. It, it, this is what kind of tore me up to kind of keep thinking about this one. It, it's something that, that replayed in my head. But um, as, as we mentioned before, grow, growing up around the game, uh, at the age of eight, I became a ball boy uh, with the Hornets. Um, at 14, um, I actually had just played my first year playing varsity basketball, first varsity game ever, I had torn a label in my shoulder. So as a ball boy, I couldn't rebound, couldn't pass the ball. I'm only in locker rooms, folding towels, passing out shirts, whatever they need to do in the locker room. We're doing. Uh, the Lakers are on a road trip, uh, four game road trip, to the final games December twenty third, oh eight. They're getting ready to head back to L A. to play the C's on uh, Christmas Day. Right. Uh, so they had just played them in the finals year before. So they they came up short. Kobe went to win gold. Uh, now he's on a mission. To to go get that title, which obviously he eventually would do back to back. Um fast forward through the game, business as usual. Kobe has a twenty six, couple rebounds, couple assists. Um, I'm back in the locker room, just you know, passing out towels, making sure everything's all right. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of, you know, people are kind of looking forward towards the the Christmas Day matchup. You know, I remember Lamar Odom, DJ Binga, like excited to get back home. DJ Binga, Congo Cash. Um, <laughs> And all of a sudden, Kobe kind of comes towards me, and I hear somebody say, hey, young fella. And I'm like, no way, he's talking to me. He's talking to Jordan Farmer or something. He's not, he's not asking me what's going on. Doubles down. He's like, hey, man, I need you to help me. I need you to do something for me. If you can do that for me, I, I, I'll take care of you. I got you. Now, a couple months before that, All Star Weekend was in New Orleans. A couple guys hand hand me their pair of game shoes. They say, "You know, get these signed by everybody. We'll take care of you." They hand you a hundred dollar bill. So I'm thinking, "Oh, Kobe, he ain't gonna be outdone by these guys." (laughs) I'm gonna look out for him, whatever he needs. He's five hundred, a thousand dollars. I mean, that's a lot of money to me now. So imagine at fourteen, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about, I mean, what? I'm about to be the the coolest dude in tenth grade. So then he goes yeah, we need some beers on the back of the bus. I'm like, oh, well, never mind. I guess I, can't, I guess I can't help you. I look a little bit old for my age, but I don't look that old. What am I going to do? So, I, and, and I feel like looking back, maybe it's one of those things where he knew and he, he's like, let, let me see if, if he can figure it out or I know he can figure out figure this out. So, thinking, thinking, what can I do? What can I do? There was a, a guy who was the, the team's equipment assistant equipment manager mm-hmm. who would always help with the visitor's locker room. Okay, boom, go straight to him. All right, so uh Kobe uh th- they kind of want some uh beers on the back of the bus. He, I can you he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. We're we're on it." Cool. I got the, I felt I'm feeling like Kobe in the fourth quarter like I like I got the job done. <laughs> I'm feeling I feel like, you know, never I, we're, missed. We're, you know, it was it was it, it was a game-winning assist, but you know what? It it, it contributed to it. So I go back towards Kobe to let him know that everything was, you know, as as he had, had kind of made the request. And he has a crowd around him, obviously. Um, he's, he's heading out of the locker room. He's got his shoes in hand. And I'm thinking he's about to, you know, send him down the hall to Chris Paul or something, whatever. And he stops. He goes, Any, anybody got a pin? I'm like, no way. No way he's about to sign these and give them to me. Like, there's no way. You know, I'm thinking right. – Again, you signing them, passing them. Him. He had just been, Byron Scott was a coach of the Hornets at the time. So, you know, they were had a really great relationship. He had a great relationship with Byron's son, something. And it's, it's, it's sort of Scott family, it's to Chris Paul. No way, it's to the kid that kind of helped him out. And then he starts signing them. He pauses, he looks at me, and he's like, hey, What's your name? Tell him my name. He starts writing it on there. He looks at me and says, I don't want to see these on eBay. All right. <laughs> I'm, thi- I'm thinking in my mind, are you crazy? You think you think I'm about to put your shoe? I don't care how much money anybody offer me for whatever. Right. Like no way I'm letting these go ever. This is about to be my most prized possession of all time. And you know he he hands he hands them off to me, and I, I it it was something that like I, I remember like I I was like nobody could knock me off the top of the road in that moment. Like right. I, I I was like. When I, because you know, we cleaned up the locker room, I had to like make sure it stayed in my sight, and then I walked back to the Horns locker room to get my stuff before I left. And I felt like I was like showing off. I couldn't hide him anywhere, but I felt like just having Kobe's shoes in my hand, I felt like, man, I, I feel like I, I'm like doing too much. I don't wanna be, you know, showing off in front of everybody, right. but whatever. And, and that stuck with me from from then on. I don't know if he'd ever remembered the fact that that happened. It, it, you know, that's probably what tore me up the most is because one day I hope to have a chance to recount that story to him. Mm. Um, but from then, that moment forward, I always felt like you know I kind of had that connection with him, whether he knew it or not. You know, it's probably something that you know one way or another he does for you know dozens of kids, you know, right. year year over year over year. But little did he know that you know for that past month, you know, I missed the majority of that season because I hurt my shoulder. I couldn't play basketball, and I was really down in the dumps. And not until I remembered the dates of everything. Was where I remember that that happened within a month of each other because that moment was so great it made me forget that I was in such a, a sad spot having dealt with what I was dealing with at the time and and just that that connection forever having that and still having those shoes and, and having you know that moment to be able to say that I have you know a, a story a personal story with one of the greatest players to ever lace up you know shoes to, to to play this game and that we all revere and who's, who's a global icon who has the Mamba mentality that we t- carry with us every day it really speaks to who he is and how his legacy will always be to all of us and how it will live on forever.
0: So many around the world who were obviously affected by his uh, untimely death and so many around the world that have stories just like that, no matter how big or how small, we'll always remember Kobe Bryant. Appreciate you listening to the NBA Sound System. We'll see you towards the end of the week with more right here on NBA Sound System.
3: Hello, everyone. I'm so sorry I can't be with you tonight. However, I couldn't completely miss the chance to take a moment to share some thoughts with all of you. The lesson I cherish the most is how important it is to love what you do. If you love what you do and it's making you happy, all the hard work and perseverance will pay off. I once had a guidance counselor tell me that I shouldn't play basketball, uh, that it would never amount to anything for me. His negativity towards me made me stronger. You can't stop people from trying to limit your dreams, but you can stop it from becoming a reality. Your dreams are up to you. I encourage you to always be curious, always seek out things you love, and always work hard once you find it. So with that, I'll let you carry on with your evening. Please know I'm thinking of you, supporting you, and encouraging you always. Peace.